0: Welcome to the spoiler room, eight weeks of
1: Alfred Hitchcock. The next eight episodes, we will be covering some films that are known and not so known of Alfred Hitchcock's. We hope you enjoy the show and aren't too scared. If you do get scared, please pause the podcast, have a drink, come back and finish the podcast. Thank you and enjoy. Yes, and welcome, um, my friends out there to the Spoiler Room. Thanks for joining us once again as we're doing our eight weeks of Hitchcock. We are halfway through. This is our fourth episode in our eight weeks, and I've got a great crew member joining me tonight to talk about an interesting film uh, directed by Mr. Alfred Hitchcock. We're talking about The Man Who Knew Too Much, and we're going to discuss uh, both the 56-1 and also the 1934 version, both directed by... Uh, by Alfred Hitchcock. So, Scotty D, how are you doing tonight, sir?
0: I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing there, Mark?
1: We're hanging in there. We're getting by. So, uh, yeah, Alfred Hitchcock, the man who knew too much. Now, interesting enough, you could probably give uh, the same synopsis for both <laughs> versions. Uh, for the most part, I mean, some gender changes and such. But uh, did you want to give this synopsis?
0: All right. For the 56 version? Sure. Yeah, go for it. Well, the film opens, and you got you have a typical American couple, kind of a white upper middle uh, class. Actually, rich. We'll just say they're rich. rich. They're rich. They're yeah. rich because that no one can afford that they do. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's there's they're an it's an American it's American family. They, uh hu- the husband is a doctor. Uh, the wife was a. Uh, celebrated star of the Broadway stage who is now a stay-at-home mom because she got married, and this is the 50s. Uh, and the husband being a doctor is more important than the uh, wife being an international star. So, <laughs> they... Uh... <laughs> boy i mean it's it's not even hard to miss these days guys see <laughs> these <laughs> but um so anyway but there's this wife from his last family very pleasant people though of besides, all besides, and um, they're vacationing in morocco um, it's a husband a wife and their little boy who is annoying as hell and i will get to him um and they're they're vacationing they they meet this person on the train who they immediately strike up a friendship with. Uh, but, then but then they start to suspect kind of strange things about this person. And when they... Uh, and their suspicions are uh, confirmed when the person this person they meet is murdered and slips some information to the husband who um, is about to give it to police and is then informed that his son has been kidnapped and that if he gives any information to the authorities, he, his son is going to be killed. So not feeling like he they can do anything with the authorities, they try their best to locate their son, uh, not knowing who's kidnapped him or why, uh, and uh, they try to basically find him before the something even worse happens to their kid, so. Yeah, that's about it. But uh, yeah. I am verbally challenged tonight, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I am. The, the, this is the man who knew too much. I am the man who knows just barely enough to be allowed to live on my own without constant supervision. So, <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, it's not a it's not a very productive day in Scottyland here. So, <laughs> Boy, that,
1: I don't know if that would all fit on the marquee there. Uh.
0: <laughs> well, you would have to be a reader, and if you're somebody like how I'm feeling tonight, it might take a good hour to read that. You know, <laughs> it's like you know, are you loitering? I'm just reading. I it's I now I have to start over. <laughs>
1: Uh, Once again, we have Alfred Hitchcock pairing up with Mr. Um, 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 Jimmy Stewart.
0: (laughs) And and,
1: and Doris Day's in this. Wow. Um, Doris Day this time is with uh, Mr. Jimmy Stewart. She plays the wife. They they play the happy couple and such. And go figure, she plays a Broadway star. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. when you have Doris Day in your movie, you need to have her sing. I think that's uh, Mm -hmm. like a law of the land, Uh, (laughs) which I'm not complaining because it's Doris Day. And uh, for those who pay attention to classics, this is where K. Sarah, Sarah came from that actually, I believe got nominated for an Oscar. Didn't it? Uh, The song I believe did, Uh, which she originally didn't want to do. Yeah. Best original song. It actually won uh, the oscar for best original song
0: yep and it was a big huge hit uh the, the uh i think it reached a number I'm, I'm actually doing some a little internet reading right now and it reached number two on the u.s charts of uh, pop charts and number one in the uk oh well,
1: there so. you go so so yes we have doris day in here opposite jimmy stewart and uh, they play off each other well as a couple. But as you, I'm glad you mentioned that because it had that was the first thing that kind of stuck out with me with this couple. I mean, they're they're a couple. You feel like they're a couple. They're they're these are two excellent act uh, actors. So as far as chemistry between these two, you feel it. Uh, but yeah, it always made me wonder. I'm like, she's an international star, but she used to be about four years ago. How old is the kid? oh <laughs> wait he's a doctor in indiana
0: <laughs> yeah he wants and, and i don't care if you're the best doctor in the state <laughs> you know uh, it's like and they and, and make and they make notes about that the husband's money is paying for the trip yeah, I, I, I was I, saying, like, oh, so-and-so's pancreas paid for this. And uh, and and I guess that trip over that we took last year, those were the twins that were born. And I just kept on waiting for her thing. Or, or <laughs> I just kept on waiting for Doris to turn around and say, it's like, yeah, it could be that, or it could be my three consecutive Tonys. You <laughs> know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean
1: yeah i'm like indianapolis even for back then i'm like (laughs) i don't think we're working off of your money dude
0: (laughs) it's a very (laughs) telling
1: people you are but (laughs) i mean they stay at the best hotel those the, the hotel room they stay at in marrakesh is like this ultimate sweet it's
0: very it's opulent it's very you know. it's it, it's it's a it's a very ni- <laughs> they're very nice digs it's the type they're the type of american couple where when they go abroad everybody tries to mob them for money because yeah. they know that they've got it it's not it's not a, a couple of students backpacking through and staying in hostels i mean they're they're well off <laughs> they,
1: they are and, and then uh when their trip their their search their journey they figure their kids some kind of way they draw a line saying oh the kid's gonna be in london let's go check there and they go to london their room's even bigger there it's like crazy
0: yeah, they were they were slumming in Marrakesh. It <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: felt like it that they were slumming in America. Though I, I did like this first part with the Marrakesh because um it felt like Alfred was trying to give you a little insight into their culture. Mm-hmm. Um and not necessarily in a bad way that you would might expect for them of 50s, you know. I mean they 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 cover in the beginning where the kid falls and accidentally grabs the scarf of yeah. Um, off the woman's face and he explains about the muslim culture about how the muslim culture there are very little accidents
0: yeah and uh it's a it's a it was interesting how they did it now you got to understand that any movie especially from this era is going to have this um this uh kind of worldview uh whether if it comes from britain or america because uh in those two countries especially how they approach any uh foreign land and in this one they even still call it you know America, africa the dark continent and everything yeah
1: the kid they uh, have that conversation with the kid
0: well i mean that's what it was always i was called a lot a lot it was called that a lot in the, a lot of the literature mm-hmm. virtually every movie that touched on the continent it was the dark continent you know and it was that's just that's one of the things they use but from the world view of anybody in America or the United Kingdom they have the unique thing of this is the world view of that is colonial
1: yeah colonial we were
0: we uh we have you know it's originally was english england who went in and colonized the world they would Good in there, and sometimes they would incorporate into other con- cultures. Most often, they would just kind of sweep the cultures aside or whatever. Uh, and then, of course, um, you know, once the uh, after, you know, World War, and of course, in the you know, once America got going, they said, you know, that sounds like a good idea, and they decided to do that too. And uh, so, it's not a very pleasant thing to look at. But it is something that is unique to those two countries. And that's going uh, to be uh, the approach that any of those two countries takes to foreign lands, especially in a film that was made in the 50s. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and it takes uh, an interesting approach. But in this one, like I said, I, I felt like at least they were trying, even if part of it was a little bit humorous, like in the meal uh, when Jimmy, St- when I just keep calling him Jimmy Stewart, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did that. I did that with uh, Rear Window too. Benjamin yeah, I didn't, even, I
0: didn't. I just kept on calling him the 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 husband the, the because husband, I knew yeah. I because I knew I would be constantly saying, "Dr. Jimmy Stewart" or anything like that. Or
1: Benjamin McKenna and his wife Josephine, or Joe McKenna. Benjamin and Joe are invited by this guy they just met on the on the bus. Who helped uh, keep their kid from being killed by a uh, the Muslim husband, uh, who whose wife uh, scarf the kid accidentally pulled off and then didn't give the scarf back? Uh, <laughs> kid, he just held on to it. I'm like, dude. I'm
0: like, dude. dude you get at least you know, dude,
1: drop it or something. You, you know, you, how do you not notice what you just did? Um, but <laughs> so they just meet this guy in the bus and then they decide, oh. Well, let's have drawings we uh, well sure we'll go to dinner and i'm like you just met this dude on a bus in marrakesh have you not heard the songs have you not read the books
0: the, a lot of hitchcock's things go into this though where like you yeah. know people would just like meet on trains meet on, i don't know i i always wonder and i see this in other movies too i always wonder if you know Travel used to be a lot different where you know people would meet and strike up friendships on trains and stuff like that. You know, uh, I, there's that in other Hitchcock films. There's uh, it was it, it's something that happened in a, a gaslight which I watched a, uh just oh, recently, yeah, and gaslight great movie. You know, that happens in there. Uh, you know, I often wonder if it was if that's just what used to happen. You'd you might meet somebody that I mean, I just was on a plane, you didn't, you know, I went out of my way not to talk to anybody for the three hour flight. <laughs> you know? So
1: see, and I'm kind of the opposite way, which is funny because my wife is a little more introvert, but me, I'm that guy who will be standing in line and if I notice other people are uncomfortable with standing in line and then someone says something that I know about or something, I'll chuckle and nod and suddenly we're in a conversation because <laughs> I'm that guy. I fully. Oh, agree. I envy
0: that. I, I've, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm a little too. Uh, despite how I, t- how much I talk, uh, I talk a lot because I am comfortable talking with the people who co-host these shows. People, and uh, generally in real, if you get me in person, I kind of, I tend to like slip back into my shell quite a bit. <laughs> so I can yeah. be a little shy when you first meet me in real life.
1: Yeah, so, so Jill gets a kick out of it because she's uh, you know, she she gets together with people and stuff, too. But she's a little more introvert than that. But me, I'm the, you know, I'm that I'm that guy and I fully recognize it. So these people, you know, back then, you're right, though. Travel is a little bit different. They have a little bit of different perspective. I mean, but it's still from today's perspective, a little odd when you see them not only just meet this guy on a bus to Marrakesh uh, and. They decide to have dinner and drinks with the guy. Of course, he stands them up, which they didn't like. But they leave. They they meet this other British couple, the Draytons, who mm-hmm. they regret later. Why you know after they met them, but they meet the Draytons, and they just leave their kid with him. <laughs> I,
0: I, this it's, is what this is why there are a lot. This is this is why there are a lot of people in therapy remembering <laughs> shameful, th- remembering really horrible things in their past. Now, as their parents would just leave them with like randos on, <laughs> that they met,
1: <laughs> uh, they sit there. And, you know, at, at first they mentioned something for, too of uh, of uh, in the hotel uh, in dinner of. Uh, w- when they just meet the Draytons uh before that, they get the hotel to just get them a rando babysitter for their kid. Again, we're in Marrakesh. That's <laughs> 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 just a different perspective. And maybe it's because they're just what, 10 years fresh out of the war at this point, a little bit more. So maybe the, Thought of safety or whatnot was different, but I mean, you look at this now, and I'm just like, man, I wouldn't want some random babysitter for the hotel there. And then you know, oh, we met the Draytons last night. Here, you know, Billy, go on and run off with Mrs. Drayton while we go stare at the acrobats.
0: all right and uh, yeah. or or uh, you know, you know, once the kid is eventually kidnapped, you know, you're you're almost surprised that they take it so hard. You know, it's like, it's like, okay, someone finally took him. Oh my God. I like, honestly, the kid is annoying as hell. So I'm like, so I was like, I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd be doing any, I'd be, I'd be doing whatever I could to like pawn this kid off on somebody. You know, they were in a marketplace. That kid could have gotten lost easy or traded for something. (laughs)
1: <laughs> they had the sewing machines right there in the street. He could have just sat them down at one and had them start making clothes and run away, you know.
0: Like, oh, oh here, her, her belt. Hell, barely look at the. Hank, look at the look at the snake charmer. Look at the snake charmer here, and say, I'm, I'm assuming they would put one in this movie because you know whether there are they were in Marrakesh or not. It's 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 a cliche, and they were all about cliches.
1: Well, they didn't have they didn't actually have the snake charmer. Though. They, they should have are...
0: had one. They should have had one in there, you know, to make the thing completely Like just like like watch the snake char poke it with a stick, <laughs> poke it with a stick. I'll, I'll <laughs> pretend that I'm not a doctor. <laughs> and I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. not
1: now, now the rest of the show we're just going to do with Jimmy Stewart.
0: We're going to have <laughs> dueling Jimmy Stewart incidents. <laughs> Duel- <and laughs>
1: dueling Jimmy
0: Stewart. <laughs> we should just do that <laughs> for <like> <laughs> every <laughs> podcast we do. Uh we should have done that for the Astro Radio Z Porn Parody episode. Oh, we
1: should have that would have made that. What, it's like view. I
0: can't believe you cut out the oral. <laughs> there ain't no, ain't no
1: I could see, but
0: why the why the
1: oral? <laughs> <laughs> like doing banjos, no, but uh <laughs> but yeah, it's just you could tell from it being a different time period. This is just it's it, it's odd to watch, and then but yeah, you're right. When the Draytons, we find out the Draytons were the ones behind kidnapping the kid. I am not surprised by this, but by God, Benjamin, Dr. Benjamin McKenna and his wife, Joe seem really surprised at the strangers that they left their kid with. (laughs) You know, uh, suddenly their kids kidnapped and they get the, because Mr. Bernard, we find out later is actually a secret agent, man. And uh, he gives old Jimmy Stewart the information about an assassination Uh, which start, you know, that's what really screws everything up for this, these two. Um, You know, it it should surprise them though, that the kid got taken by leaving it with strangers. Though I do like the story that they had with uh, the Bernard scene to make sure to see, because he's supposed to be posing as an Arab. So he Mm -hmm. was supposed to have face makeup on, Mm -hmm. but apparently the actor himself had darker skin And no matter what they could do with the makeup, they couldn't make it look paler when Jimmy Stewart ran his hands along to the guy's face. (laughs) So they did the opposite. They had the uh, whiter paint on Jimmy Stewart's fingers. And they had him. (laughs) So when he grabs the guy's face, he's actually putting the makeup on, not rubbing it off interesting um uh, yeah i read that little trivia tidbit i thought that was interesting that they couldn't get the makeup the one way so jimmy had to do it uh, the old school way of having it on his fingers um so i thought that was interesting but yeah old bernard gets killed gives the assassination information so our couple head to london looking for their kid knowing this assassinations happen and this is um It's got the common theme set up as the 1939 one. um, But this film is definitely longer than that one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But they do hit on some of the key uh, similar uh, scenes in here, like uh, the interrogation, because old uh, Benjamin and Joe get put under interrogation by the uh, Marrakesh police. And in the 39 one, they were in the Swiss. So, uh, Swiss Alps. So it was the Swiss police giving that couple, uh, the, the interrogation. They were, they were kind of similar the way they play out, uh, you know, but I kind of liked how the one in the actually, I liked almost everything about the, uh, uh, 56 version a little bit better uh, than the 39 version. Um, in it, but here we've got similar theme going on of the what is the light, the value of the life of the kid versus the value of the life of the guy who's going to get assassinated. That's the same thing that runs through both these films, and I thought it was very interesting how they handled that in both. Um, you know, what did you think about that theme that they had of, of the life of a kid versus the life of a diplomat? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it was kind of interesting, but because uh, you don't know what w- th- this is a very personal thing, you know, this uh, the life of this child here. Uh, in comparison, though, um, the life of this other person could affect the lives of so many other people. I- in neither film, now, and, I'm, and if that sounds vague, it's because that in neither film do they really tell us I- anything about the villains or anything. The diplomat and the villains themselves in many ways are a MacGuffin themselves. Yeah, uh, sh- Hitchcock loves. We don't know if, you know, when I was watching the 34 version, I was like, we don't know. I'm like, okay, are these guys uh fascists? Are they communists? Are they anarchists? I didn't know. <laughs> and in the 56 version, you don't know either. You just know they're up to no good. It's like they just know they want this person dead. They're up to no good. That's all you really need to know. <laughs> and so you don't know exactly how it's going to affect, but you can kind of uh, take the film's uh, word for it that yes, this person, if this person were to be harmed, it would, um, it might affect more people than if this child were killed. But then again, how do you, you know, sacrifice the life of, of any child, much less your own? That's not even that's not even a consideration that you could do that such a thing. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and you're right. That, I'm glad you mentioned it. Cause I thought I had missed something in both versions. I'm like, they don't mention what country. I mean, in the 56 mm-hmm. version, we get kind of a obscure view of a plaque that says something embassy, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you're not quite sure what it, it, it's these nondescript foreign, diplomats in both cases that are going to get assassinated, but you really don't know what country. I don't think it's ever really identified what country they're in or from or, yeah, who the bad guys were. I mean, it's Peter Lorre in the 39 version, so you know whatever role he had i mean oh, in the 34, you know he's the bad guy
0: <laughs> it's like and that's oh. that's something that i will say you know you said you liked pretty much everything more in the in the 56 version i'm going to say that uh there are some things i like more in the 56 and some things i like more in the 34. one of those things is that the 56 version does not have a central villain and uh, Peter Laurie is unforgettable as a central villain in the original. He's he was fantastic,
1: yeah. You're you're absolutely right in that, yeah. In the the 50s, in the 50s version, it you you had a body of villains, but you didn't really have a specific one. Um, and oh, I love Peter Laurie, and he oh, was yeah. he was great. I mean, he he played the role a lot straighter than i expected
0: he learned his lines phonetically
1: oh did he really uh, he
0: learned this was very soon after he had uh, fled nazi germany um oh, okay he was one of the very many people who uh he did not leave voluntarily he fled nazi germany because he saw that this was just getting worse and worse and um just like you know the first pers- just like his favorite director fritz lang he left uh he left germany and he still barely spoke any english so he actually learned his lines phonetically for this film which is wow. even more impressive because he is so good He is very good he is the heavy in this movie and that's the thing is that you know peter Lorre, he's like this little short guy i mean he's you can Imagine that he'd be pretty easy to take for just about anybody to take down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, just uh, if you remember his role in uh Casablanca, I mean, he he doesn't seem like he would be that hard he, he, uh, to take down. That was and that was a role that really pretty much got that right. But it's how he carries himself, he doesn't have to be big, he doesn't have to be stocky, he doesn't have he he doesn't even have to be creepy or anything like that, he just has to have this certain air about him and says like no I'll tell you how things are going to go and he's very very authoritative and now everybody's taking orders from this little guy because this little guy you just know he's going to mess you up he, he was a, he was a very he's a very chilling uh, bad guy in that movie
1: you know. He is he is in the in the '30s version of this film. He is a memorable character in this, and a far more memorable villain than in the '50s version. Because we we mentioned the Draytons, who you find out are working for someone within the embassy who wants their own prime minister killed in the '50s version, uh, and the Draytons are played a little bit more sympathetically in this they're they're kind of like almost felt like a little bit like the reluctant couple especially when there's talk of actually killing the kid rather than letting him uh, get out of the embassy uh you know there's suddenly these you you notice they seem to have a little bit of remorse there's none of that with the 30s (laughs) villains no uh well a little hint but maybe it's because alfred hitchcock it's an earlier one of his films and he was still refining his technique in it you do get a little bit of sympathy from one of the characters but it's not nearly as evident as it is in the 50s version it's Mm -hmm. like more pronounced i don't know uh, did you get that that there was at least a little bit in there because there is a little bit in it in the 30s version i think but
0: you get the idea in the end that these aren't people that are just like evil for the sake of evil or anything. These they have a code, they have things that they believe in, and towards the end of the movie, their desperation becomes more and more and more apparent, and um, so you can kind of feel for them as people, but at the same time, their acts were just monstrous. Yeah. So you can't, still can't uh, sympathize with them too much so yeah
1: no uh you can't and that's one of the differences between the 39 and, and 50s version as well as the the bad guys especially because in the earlier version the assassin uh and we're going to get to the really cool uh theater uh, scene i really i want to talk about that but before that the, the difference between them i know we're jumping around a little bit is um in the 50s version the assassin dies. Mm-hmm. In the 30s version, he escapes and he gets back with our boss, and he's the one uh, that's ready to just kill the kid, who is a girl in the 30s version. I thought, and older,
0: mm-hmm. slightly, <laughs> o- slight, slight, well, slightly older, and uh, um, and uh, certainly less of a
1: annoyance. No,
0: yes, <laughs> I was trying to be nice about it. Certainly less of a, less of, yeah, kind of less of a little squealing brat. Yeah. So I can't. That. Do, do Why you didn't think, you just do, let him go, Jimmy? Do you think that's
1: Alfred, because of the changes, because that's one of the, the big changes is uh the kid. Yeah. It, it's a, a daughter instead of a son, and she's a little older than the son was in the, uh we'll say the American version, the fifties version. Do you think he, changed it to add an extra level of maybe threat feeling because in the th- the 30s version she was older and, and while she was still a kid and vulnerable she was portrayed a little bit tougher than the little boy is it that right. or maybe it's a cultural is it a no, cultural and
0: I, no i would say i would say you're right there and i think you're also touching on something and which is um and this is how i feel about the uh, the 56 version of this film uh which i'd seen a number of times before re-watching it for the show is that um man who knew too much is perhaps the greatest example of a steven spielberg movie made before steven spielberg started making movies
1: <laughs> nice yeah
0: <laughs> is that um the original the remake rather of the man who knew too much it has so many elements where okay hitch just like spielberg did he was uh, somebody who they, everybody knew was a talented filmmaker, but he had also basically created a type of filmmaking unto uh, of his own mm-hmm. that everybody then tried to copy. And because of that, they were all he was often dismissed until much later when it became evident that no, everybody really respects him. And uh, but at the same time, he is he would play to the audience he really he didn't he, he didn't make a movie that said like where he said well maybe only two or three people will get it but you know no no they he was playing to mass audience <laughs> and that is never more evident than in the man who knew too much so he has the kid that's in danger so and he makes it so that everybody who's going to see this film can relate to that because these Movies weren't used; didn't used to be just things that younger people went to. It used to be things that couples went to, and married couples went to, and married couples would sometimes leave their kids home with the like, rando babysitters <laughs> and go to the movies and everything. And it's something they can all relate to. Uh, there's a lot more uh, playing around with hu- with uh, little tight touches of humor. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more. They they throw in some exotic locales. I think that was done for two reasons. I think it was done. One, to compete against television, you know, show them something they can't see on the tube. And also, it was done to give it an extra little flair. They're doing, he's doing that. He's got all these other little set pieces. It has a damn pop song as the (laughs) conclusion of the movie, which I'm sure we're going to get to eventually here. I mean, it, this film could not be more obviously playing to the audience. And I think that, uh, That this is uh, one of those ones where he really knew what his audience wanted and he was playing to it. I don't think it's quite as um, successful as, say, North by Northwest, which I think would be probably his best example of this, uh, you know, where it's just like a pure thrill ride from beginning to end. But, um, yeah, but nevertheless, I think that's what he's going for. And I think that I always saw a lot of. similarities between the approach Hitchcock had in this film and the uh, approach that, say, Spielberg did in his later films when he showed all these families in peril uh, with exotic locales and strange occurrences and such.
1: Jurassic Park. Uh.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> or any other movie, basically. Or any, hell, he, uh, yeah. hell, he turned War of the Worlds into that, you know? I know, right? <laughs> uh, and,
1: and yeah, you're, you're this one, it, it is playing a little bit more to it i mean the couple um what's funny is the couple in the 50s version uh, jimmy Stewart Day, love them great actors they do wonderful in the film don't get me wrong they feel like a little bit more of i mean it, it's also 20 years difference their couple uh relationship is a bit different than the one in the 39 only in the fact that it sounds good it's 34 it sounds weird <laughs> But in the thirty-four version, I believe I, I felt like uh, that couple, the Bob and Jill Lawrence, were more equals than in the fifties version.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't
1: you? Because I mean, you had uh, in the in the thirties uh, version, you've got Bob Lawrence, who was played by Leslie Banks, and Edna Best played Jill Lawrence. Those two, they're in the Alps. One guy skiing, or he's at skiing actually. His wife is a a skeet shooter, (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and she's actually competing there. And uh, she gets thrown off by Peter Lorre's watch and her kid who's bugging her. Uh, But the dynamic between those two, it just felt, I don't know, it felt a little bit more equal in the 30s version versus the 50s version. You know, while Doris Day is still a strong female character, it just... Is that just me, or does it it just feel like the dynamic was just a little bit more equal in the earlier version?
0: The 50, the fifties, things got more conservative than they were perhaps before. Uh, let's not forget—you were mentioned the war before. Yeah. Um, let's not forget what happened to both countries during the war, and Britain mm-hmm. had an even longer. Vo- uh, I, I bring up Britain a lot because. Uh, because uh, Alfred Hitchcock is a, an English director who emigrated to a- America. So right. he's had his foot on both sides of the pond, you know. And, um, he, and what happened is that they were involved in a very, very serious war for a long time. At which point it was up to everybody, regardless of gender, to pull their own weight. Uh, in uh, the case of a lot of these places... Uh, women started working in factories. They started uh, uh, building things. They started actually having careers and uh, things of their own and really settling up. When the war was over, they were expected to just give all that up. Yeah, (laughs) And to just go back to the way things were. And I think there was initially there was a lot of relief. And so you know, everybody's just happy. Everybody's home and safe. So the, some a lot of them did it. And then I think there was initially a bit of resistance to that. And so I think that in the 50s especially, there was this um, conservative resurgence of American values and uh, and and traditional values, and so that's why I think a lot of people talk about like these types of things as fifties, mm-hmm. as if they had not existed for the decades before as well. Uh, it's not just because in the sixties things started to blow up; it's because um, they actually got worse than ever. I mean, that that's the that's one thing that happened. You know, you'll hear a lot of kids today talk about eighties nostalgia. Guys, it wasn't that great. <laughs> um and things got a lot more conservative. Uh, they started people started experimenting with things in this in the 60s which started to kind of get a bit bizarre in the 70s and by the 80s it was very self it was uh very self-centered and a lot more conservative and suddenly it wasn't quite as cool to talk about, you know, women's rights or the rights of uh basically any oppressed class or citizen you know it suddenly was not was not um patriotic yeah so i think we're dealing with a, a before i get too far off the point here i think we're dealing with that here too is that's why it seems that you know this is uh, this movie was made gosh what was it 22 years later uh, the remake mm-hmm. and yet it's some of the ideals seem more stodgy and conservative now uh, the, now, the, now the lead in the 34 version is he's, he, he's a big nothing yeah he he's nowhere near as charismatic as uh, as uh, Jimmy Stewart is um, Jimmy Stewart brings his own unique uh, charm to whatever role he plays whether it's comedy drama whatever um, but um, but, the, I mean, let's 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 look at this relationship between the two people. I mean, in the end of the movie, Doris Day sings a song. Mm-hmm. The wife in the original shot a son of a bitch. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they
1: got me. I'm watching the original.
0: She's like a, she's like a sniper. <laughs>
1: I'm watching the original, and here the husband uh, gets kidnapped. He can't really fight his way out. Uh, he ends up getting shot at one point the daughter's on the roof or whatnot with the the assassin in the big climax the mom shows up in the 30 34 version looks up goes huh and the one cop is like oh i can't shoot him i might hit her and the mom's looking she just grabs the rifle bang and the, the the assassin falls off the the top roof and then uh you know there she is old Jill Lawrence and the best holding the smoking rifle and she just goes oh, here <laughs>
0: <laughs> you want it it's like you know you want to get something done has give it to the woman i you know, like, yeah. <laughs> i
1: love that but it was such a surprise <laughs> watching watching that version you know after watching the 50s version like wow that's oh, you
0: watch the you watch the original after the there yes the, oh, cuz
1: Yeah, because I wanted to, you know, the 56 the 54 uh, 50s one was a lot more popular than uh, I mean, you know, it talked about more than the 30s one. So I wanted to watch that one first and then go back and watch the original and see, you know, what was pulled from it. And I did like that ending.
0: (laughs) Oh, I hate the ending of the 56. It's one of the only things it's one of the few things that I do have against the 56. One is I don't like I don't like the, uh, the art direction. I think I think the fifty-six version is kind of an ugly-looking film, mm-hmm. the way the color is processed and everything, uh, and the um, black and the black and white on the in the, orig- in the original is oh, it's beautiful, folks. It is, oh. uh, <laughs> and it is, re- and it's a very artsy-done movie. Um, but uh, the yeah, this. <sighs> I hate <50's> version <laughs> 56 version uh I hate this ending. it's this sappy thing where she sings this popular song that's gonna that you know is gonna be on all the hit charts and then this kid just starts whining and whistling and
1: And then the dad finds Uh, them, and then the assassin. It's so
0: saccharine and convenient. (laughs) I just didn't like it at all. I just, I, I never liked that. It always, even when I first saw this movie, I, I, I never much liked it. So
1: you mentioned the word absurd, and in this case, it is actually fitting with the ending of this film because. Uh, and this is after and like i said we're jumping around a little bit folks we we will talk about the the concert scene but this is after uh basically events happened to where uh our uh doctor and his wife were able to get invited to the embassy where they figure their kid is being held and yeah she does this thing where they talk about she sings beautifully but she's trying to sing loud enough so that the kid can hear her who's three stories up First off, and she's yeah. singing. And she's,
0: he's, used pro- she's used to projecting from the stage. She is, she is,
1: but but still, and then, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart nonchalantly in an embassy manages to sneak away, <laughs> grab the kid. Assassin shows up, decides that he's going to make an escape by using the dad and kid as shield. And in what's probably the weakest moment in history of film, not quite, of, but close, to how to dispatch the main villain. <laughs> at one point, Jimmy just pulls his kid away and pushes the guy down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not even like a real hefty push. He just kind of like, eh. And the guy rolls down, and, you know, I'm glad I don't fall down stairs in movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because people's necks seem to break real easy while rolling down stairs. And they're
0: made out they're, they're of, like, balsa wood. The, um, you know, it's funny. The, the last episode I was on with you uh, yeah. was one of the other Hitchcock episodes. It was Notorious. Yes. And both films end with a perilous trip down the stairs. Yes. And Notorious handled it much better. <laughs> we'll it just say did. that.
1: <laughs> this almost felt like they weren't quite sure where they wanted to go with the ending of this one. I mean,
0: this is, this, is, this almost seems like you and you know this isn't the case because Hitchcock planned everything. Oh sure, so meticulously. But it almost seems like something you would hear from to the way they do movies today, where they go in without a completed script and they realize they've painted mm-hmm. themselves into a corner. They have no idea how to end the movie and someone says oh just push the bastard down the stairs <laughs> and then everybody complains and then you get the you know the alternate ending with the blu-ray you know yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah I didn't quite care for Alfred's direction to this though I did like the fact he borrowed some of my favorite things and it's funny I say favorite from the 56 version because uh, the 50s version because it came and I keep getting the dates wrong I do apologize folks that's been a long day um but i am glad he pulled some things from the original uh to bring it to the 56 because they're my favorite moments in both like uh one of the big things with the assassin is timing his shot so no one hears so it involves a music cue at that's going to happen at the concert and it the scenes almost word for word it is word for word exactly in both films where the uh the the coordinating villain, if you were the head villain, uh, talks to the assassin of when he should take the shot. And I love that because he kept the one line in there about you'll uh, take the shot at the symbol crash. So no one would know. And I'm sure the composer will probably appreciate.
0: <laughs> yeah, I noticed that they kept that same.
1: They, they kept that dialogue the same. And then the the climactic moment when the assassination is supposed to happen. they And it being Britain, they actually film it in the same place. So it's really weird watching these two films back to back.
0: Yeah. So well, it's in the Royal Albert Hall. He has a Hitchcock has a thing for landmarks, which Royal Albert Hall certainly is one. Uh And now this is my first. Time, I'd seen the 56 version a few times before. This is probably like my fifth or sixth time seeing it and all. Um, I had never had the opportunity to see the 34 version until uh, just a couple days ago. And um, But I had seen that sequence in the 34 version because when you're in college and you're taking all these film studies courses and everything like that, uh, that is one of the pieces of filmmaking they show you to um, demonstrate the power of montage and editing. Yes. As because that scene was so legendary. So he needed to have that thing, but he also needed to like up the ante. So I dare say that in the 56 version, he did actually up the ante and it does play more suspenseful in the remake uh, as he tries to basically it was, he it, These two versions are a good example of how you can take the same plot, same director, same genre, and make things completely different in a lot of ways. But in the 56 version, I think that he – it was one where he knew that I have to re- reference this, and I'm going to be under tremendous pressure to top myself. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that this is the one moment where he says this is him trying to top himself. And I think he succeeds, actually. Uh, just barely, but I think he does succeed because I think that it's a lot more. I think you know the all the leading up to it, you know, going from door to door, and I think that the actual scream and everything, everything uh, I think is um, a bit more suspenseful in in the remake in this particular sequence.
1: It, it is actually in, in a number of sections in the uh, the '50s version. Uh, suspense is at least a little bit better. And I think I saw, read a quote somewhere in one of the trivia bits or whatever, where Alfred said that uh, the difference between the f- two films shows you, like the first one was a film being done by an amateur. <laughs> and the second one was being done by a professional, <laughs> mm. you know, in, in a way, because he did hone his craft. Because, And I read that, that scene in the 50s version had like 124 cuts.
0: Oh, yeah. It was I'm, wow. It was it was a big deal, and uh, he'd wanted to do that for a couple of his films. You know, mm-hmm. he wanted to do that to, for a couple of his films where he wanted to uh, remake films that he had done before, even if they were successful, to see if uh, to have a better go at them. Uh, the, one of the big ones that he wanted to remake was The Lodger. Oh, okay. Which Was when he did uh, like in I think uh, I want to say. 27 29 somewhere in there mm-hmm. and um, he didn't actually remake it other people did actually they a couple of times but uh, Hitchcock was did not get a chance to revisit that one but he always did want to revisit the lodger mm-hmm. and uh, so but this is so he, he had a he was very conscious of you know okay if I that was good but if I knew then what I know now I would have handled it differently. I'd love to have another crack at it, and this is him doing that. So
1: yeah, and he does it well with the, especially you know jumping between all the different scenes and the cymbal crash, which mm-hmm. the film opens with the cymbal crash with the most nervous percussionist ever on film. <laughs> you know? That poor guy in the opening—you watch him. He's like, "Shit, I better get this right." Uh,
0: <laughs> More nervous than a spinal tra- tap drummer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He was, because in that opening, you look at it, and it's a different percussionist in the, in the film than in the opening, but you can tell the guy in the opening, is like, God, I better get this cue right because <laughs> they're going to have to reset up the camera. Uh, but you still get that thing where we go back to the symbols at least three times in the uh, 50s version of this uh, assassination attempt, and he still took some key scenes. But yeah, his buildup of tension in uh, the uh, fifties version was done better and handled better uh, than in the thirties version. Both are actually very interestingly shot scenes though. Still. Uh, I like the way both of them play out, Uh, but you can definitely feel like, yeah, this is me tweaking and pulling a George Lucas going, you know, I could do better. And he actually does in this case. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. Plus, you know, it's an early meta reference because, in the 50s version, we get Bernard Herman playing at Albert Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard Herman did the music for the man who knew too much. <laughs> so it was like, wow, a little, little meta going on here. But um, yeah, I like how that whole thing played out. And I did like, I actually liked in the 50s version, the assassin uh, uh, falling and dying there. Versus the other guy getting away because, um, though it does kind of travel back to a theme we've found in all these Hitchcock films so far, he doesn't have a great opinion of the cops. And in both the 30s version and the 50s (laughs) version, they still aren't great, (laughs) are they, Scott?
0: No, they're they're they have to show them as being rather ineffectual because you have to give them a reason uh to have they have you have to give some kind of unspoken answer to the audience that is constantly saying oh my god why don't they just go to the police (laughs) yeah and it's like well they'll hurt the kid like but still they could probably do it why can't they go no they're the police and everywhere else they're compromised they have the bad guys have spies everywhere, and the police are ineffectual and, uh, in fact, kind of incompetent. So, <laughs> especially, especially the thirty, the thirty-four version,
1: because the cops, folks, they're getting to this big shootout with the bad guys who still have the son and father kidnapped. So, Peter Laurie and his gang are shooting at the cops. The cops are dropping. I mean, these guys, they try to rush the building. And just get annihilated. So then they take cover. And while this is going on, the cops are eating crumpets and drinking tea.
0: So that, yeah, that that uh, that uh, particular stereotype apparently was uh, adapted over the pond there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, you know, in the, in the 30s version. And so then we get to the 50s version. And, yeah, the cops don't do anything, even when they call them and say, look. Because they get this in the um, in both, there's a cha- a, a church involved, um, and here in the '50s version, they're like, they have my kid inside, my husband's inside, and the cops are like, yeah, well, we're gonna need a warrant. Oh, I don't see anything outside. You know what? We're just gonna leave, and we'll leave one guy here. And when Scotland Yard shows up, maybe they'll be able to do something. I don't know.
0: Oh man. <laughs>
1: But it's similar. They're not eating tea at breakfast, but they're still like totally just blow off this couple constantly. Um, And and yeah, being ineffectual, uh, uh, you know, even in preventing an assassination, it's just, (laughs) it's just this running theme. Alfred just does not like cops. (laughs) Uh. At least it seems that way. Um, Although rear window was a little bit better, but still, um, you're right. it is that 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 motivation of convincing the audience why these people have to do it themselves versus uh leaving it to the authorities um, and that it that is still seems to be a running theme in all the films that we've picked so far. so uh, is there anything that you wanted to talk about, Scott? Uh, well, I
0: kind that? of wanted to talk about the um fact that in both movies you expect the um you expect the uh the the uh conclusion to come when and again it's the spoiler room folks you know <laughs> so we're we're talking oh, about right. endings and stuff uh you expect the film to end when they foil the uh assassination attempt on the uh dip, on the ambassador or whatever on the mm-hmm. diplomat and uh they don't they don't. Uh, the um, and I will say this. I will say that the uh, this is one that I thought the thirty four version handled better uh, after that because I think that that was probably the climax of the fifty six version. And then the thirty four version, there is instead this great shootout that was inspired uh, by an actual event. Um, oh, oh really? Uh, yeah. It was. Um, okay. Now I have to remember what they were. Con- well, okay, oh bro. my God. Uh, what was it? The Sydney street shootings, something like that. I want to say, um, Oh man, I'm going to totally botch that there. I'm sure. But it was a, uh, yeah, as the Sydney street siege, Sydney street siege. That's what I'm trying to think of. And it was this, uh, it, it was like these Latvian criminals who had tried to rob a bank and uh, they uh, had gotten hold up and they shot all these police and, You know, it was like, it was like a big deal. And it was something that Hitchcock remembered from his youth. And um, they did this thing. And I will say that that was one of the, one of the main differences is that in the 56 version, we have the music of Bernard Furman in the uh, 34 version. We have the music of no one. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, John Cage, maybe. I don't know. But but no one basically. Um, uh, Because uh, I mean, there's, it's, it was very, it was a very early talkie. Uh, and I don't think that a lot of filmmakers had realized that, oh, right, we don't have to abandon music, we can still use it to help tell the story. Um, you know, because lots of the films like back then were like that. Um, so, um, there's no music or anything, and this is one of the only moments where I think that was actually a good Fit because they're holed up in this hotel, and there's just this shootout between the criminals and the police, and they're just constantly refilling ammo, refilling ammo, and there's all these stray bullets hitting inside, and they're like starting to like just pick off the bad guys one by one. All these stray bullets, and like a bullet will just come and like crash into something like like just inches away from someone's head, you know. And it's a very it was a very tense scene because you know we really don't care about the bad guys. But in the same building, we have our hero and his daughter, who are trying to stay safe. Mm-hmm. And that was in, that was intense because, like, God, they're going to wind up hitting these guys <laughs> because, I mean, no one's careful with guns to this day. I mean, we hear tragic stories every day about innocent bystanders getting hit by. It. There's just all this gun, and it's very realistically done with us, just like. <laughs> like all these things just being doors and walls and windows and everything just being shot up and it's uh it was a very intense sequence i thought uh what did you think of the way they handled um the action in that uh i know that we're fr- primarily focused on the remake but no no i that, mean that seems yeah. like a, that seems like a major Uh, It was a really impressive thing. What did you think about that whole sequence, uh, the shootout sequence?
1: Especially for the time period that it was made, it was impressive over the length that they did it and how it was handled. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed the sequence of the shootout. It surprised me, actually, (laughs) to have a sequence like this and that it wasn't resolved because I thought, you know, like some of the films of the, those earlier films. Okay. This isn't going to go on that long. This shootout goes on for quite a bit of time, mm-hmm. you know, film wise. um, oh, and yeah, I loved it. There was, there, you mostly had the sound of the, the uh, bullets. Uh, there was the peril for the dad and daughter. Just like you said, uh, I, I thought it was directed. Well, giving you insight to everybody's, you know, where they're at. Uh, you've got the the mom even having to duck while she's with the cops because stray bullets are flying into the place where they thought they were safe. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the dad uses uh, a bunch of bullets that nearly kill him to help break out of the place he was locked up in, the room he was locked up in. Uh, but yeah, th- th- he does an excellent job, even in this early film, of maintaining that feeling of danger throughout this entire sequence. You know, you're not quite sure who's going to get hit <laughs> at this point, uh, which was amazing uh, for other films that you had of this time. I thought he handled it great, and it is a great sequence, and it it really separates itself from uh, the '50s version and how they ended that one. And you're right with the difference of of kind of uh, playing to the larger, more mass audience the ending of the 50s version is definitely more of a hollywood type approach to an ending versus the uh 30s version which mm. uh yeah is a little bit more abrupt like a lot of those older films like i always love that how some of those older films they just end it's like oh hey okay yep we're all good okay boom done
0: <laughs> everybody's everybody's fine it's like you know it's like i mean you're not going to see much of that outside of uh outside of a Canon movie from the 80s you know? yeah <laughs> freeze frame it's, like, freeze like, frame it's, like, it's like it's like of course the movie's over everybody else is dead
1: you know <laughs> you know you get that in this one where the they just okay they're hugged they're embraced you don't even see any more aftermath after that it's just boom credits like oh okay uh, <laughs> that's that's how we're gonna end that fine you know uh edit it ends on a happy note, but it is kind of a tragic happy note because the dad's shot and everybody's like, "Holy crap!" And then you get the '50s version, which ends on a joke. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, "Wow, okay, night and day." There,
0: it was. Uh, it was. It was. It was meant to. The I think the, uh, and and there and like you said, very much, very one's much longer than the other. The man who knew too much. 34 version clocks in at like 76 minutes. Yeah, it's short. It's very short, and um, it's you know I think it was just meant to give you like just like this adrenaline thrill ride, you know, which you know, eh, by and large it does. For back you know? then, especially for the back shootout. then, especially yeah, yeah. and um, and uh, the 56 version I think was meant to be a big motion picture event where it was meant to give the audience everything they wanted and make them feel. It wasn't like a little, like jolt. It was meant to feel like a complete meal. And that's <laughs> what this was.
1: I think. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good description between both of them. Um, though it is also evident with uh, the 34 version that he was using actors and actresses who were used to doing silent film. Mm. Um, which wasn't a bad thing. It's just the way they acted. Some of their physical movements were very dramatic, <laughs> you know, uh, for Edna best. And that's not a bad thing, but it is the difference between them that uh 39, 34 virgins kind of hits on all the points that he wanted right. to hit. You just go right from here, here, here. And yeah, uh 56, they wanted to give you a little more bang for your buck. Uh, so they, they, they gave you a little bit more Jimmy Stewart and yeah, Doris Day
0: I'll tell you one thing that they do that the 56 version does much better mm. and it is when um they find they find out almost in fact I want to almost say that does she find out beforehand in the original if I'm trying to think back now Ooh. uh but um how the uh wife deals with the uh, the kidnapping of their child Oh, uh, I think that that is handled much better in the 56 version, where you know <laughs> Dr. McKenna there has to agonize over this. He he basically, you know, gaslights her into thinking that uh, she's uh, oh, you've been talking a mile a minute, and you need to have some sedatives to calm down because and he's doing these awful things because he knows mm-hmm. that this is the News that every mother dreads hearing. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that uh, she, and, uh, you know, just the raw emotional thing, you know, where she's angry at him and she's terrified and saddened for her child. I think that that was uh, handled much better in the 56 version than the uh, 34.
1: It was, you're right there. That sequence, I, I enjoyed how he did that. Like, well, here, just take, just take this, just, you know, make you feel, no, look, I'll tell you, but you, you gotta take the pills first. (laughs) Like, Oh, okay. But then you realize, yeah, it it was handled better because in, in the original, she did kind of a silent movie move of being, you know, shocked and then she passes out and then that's it. And in this one, not only is Doris, uh, Joe sedated but even the sedation doesn't work that well and then even when she comes out of the sedation she's just like broke i mean you know she's just like in zombie land like just like trying to comprehend this it, it's actually a great it shows you what happens when you get two great actors together because <laughs> that scene after she wakes up or not and and you know, uh, her husband's packing the bags as she's he, and he's keeping an eye through that great shot where he's keeping an eye on her through the mirror, through the doorway, looking at the mirror, waiting till she gets up. But when she gets up, it's not like there's a lot of words exchanged and it's just this feeling it, it is it's handled a lot better. It, it gets gets you a feeling for the parents a lot more than in the 30s version, which it's kind of over and OK. Uh,
0: it's very it's very, it's very much um down to business, yeah, you know now 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 now, pip, pip, you know, <laughs> you know keep calm and carry on and <laughs> that that is it's also
1: like, the, oh sorry, but that's also the big difference is the thirties version is definitely british,
0: it's definitely British, you know, hey you know where these people are going on, you know. Like hanging hanging on in quiet desperation is the English way. <laughs> oh,
1: it's dry too. The the oh, first God. one is so much drier than the the 50s version. Yeah. It, it, it's just like wow. And I'll also showing you nowadays, folks. I know a lot of people have actually probably grown up now with very little portrayal of smoking in a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh the 30s version. <laughs> man was everybody was smoking
0: (laughs) yeah everybody smoked back then they didn't even know it was bad for you which is kind of strange because it's smoke you know yeah but uh, i mean even when even when mark and i were younger uh there was a lot more smoking in movies um yeah i don't know if you ever smoked i was a smoker actually no uh, for a long time so i
1: never got got into it uh, mainly because um my dad used to, we used to go to the bars a lot and the secondhand smoke. Yeah. Used to always get me. And I was like, I never had the urge to, to actually smoke because that was just awful. Um, a
0: terrible habit. Don't pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> but go, I did. Kid. But I, but at one point I did and, and I kept it up for a long time. So, but, uh, <laughs> well, these I'm days, glad uh, you quit. So, yeah. So am I. But, uh, the, uh, these days there's, um, Hardly any uh, in the movies because Mm -hmm. you go to bars, no one smokes. You go to restaurants, no one smokes. It's It's, actually kind of (laughs) nice.
1: It is. It's not. I'm not complaining. It's just funny that because you you don't realize that transition, though that it's moved out when you do see it. It's very evident, and watching the 34 version, I mean, these guys get done s- skiing, they get up, and as they're walking to wherever they need to go, they light up, both of them.
0: Yeah. She, she
1: lights up. He, everybody. I
0: mean, just... Smoke. I don't know why I was out of breath at the bottom of that hill. <laughs> only smoked oh, half a pack goodness. of unfilters and then went skiing down a mountain in sub-zero temperatures. <laughs>
1: uh so you know that that's one thing that was kind of noticeable i found was interesting for culture wise um you know now it's food everybody eats so there yeah. you because go. you got to have people doing something while you're talking
0: yeah we now. yeah we just we just all like stuff our faces and let's just get fat yeah okay
1: <laughs> i love food too much it's been the holiday so I, <laughs> but i think we'll uh we'll wrap it up here with the man who knew too much um I guess uh, we'll end it tonight with asking you, Scotty. Which would you recommend people watch, or which one would you you have them both? Or if you want them to watch both, which one first? So let's put that way.
0: I would still i i i watched the original first this time, although I'd Mm -hmm. seen the remake many times before, and that's how I would recommend. doing it because the it makes this original one like look like this wow this is kind of really interesting how they approach this everything and then you see kind of this very bloated remake that takes the basic ideas of the original and goes off in its own direction i think that if you can watch the original first that would be better Mm -hmm. because uh you can see how things kind of expand upon it and uh, on the themes and everything and it's a really uh there they are each examples about how there is so much room to play around in uh storytelling you know because this is the same story it's the same director uh but the the each film is completely different it has a completely different mood to it so i would recommend the original first
1: and i would have to agree after watching them in reverse order i would say to probably appreciate each one of them more if you've never seen them before you watch the 30s version and then the 50s version because not only are as scotty said they're completely different films but it if you want to try to get an understanding of how alfred hitchcock grew in his filmmaking and 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 building suspense in that uh you see it in this and you don't and don't and please, folks, don't tell me, well, George Lucas did it with special editions. Fuck the special editions. Anyway, no. um, he, this is not a special, you know, Alfred Hitchcock coming back and doing a special edition of The Man Who Knew Too Much. He's doing a completely reboot, basically, uh, as we said, a remake of it and trying to do it in a different way. And you actually don't get a huge amount of chances in cinema, I don't think, where you get a director who's able to take almost the exact same film and remake it mm-hmm. to kind of the way he was hoping to do with, with the original. So you don't get many chances like this in cinema to actually have such an apples to apples comparison.
0: Um, yeah. He's uh, he, he, there's no repeat. Even, even when we say that he's doing this, it does the, the same uh, Royal Royal Albert Hall sequence and everything. There is no repeating uh, he does not repeat himself at all so he's uh he th- that's the that's what an artist does is an artist uh, finds new ways to approach the storytelling
1: right and in this one you can see yeah just just watch them in order you'll see what we' we're, we're saying um and you won't feel like you just watched the same movie over again you'll notice the similarities and the themes and that but uh, they are both two films and yeah it's it's unique (laughs) you would you say scotty i mean you watch a hell of a lot more films than i do would you say though it's kind of a unique opportunity to see something like this with a director
0: it's very rare and it's uh rare that you'll see it this this uh handled with such maturity right uh because with a lot of other directors they will either Uh, stick too close to what came before or they will let what or they will let the task of you know revisiting old territory kind of loom over them too much Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's rare to see this attempted it's even rarer to see it done successfully and this is one of the rare instances where you do get to see it done successfully
1: Totally agree on that. So there you have it, folks. Hope you've been enjoying our eight weeks of Hitchcock. We got four more uh, Hitchcockian episodes to do. uh, So we appreciate every single one of you listening. And Scotty D, I know it's been a long time since you updated, but you do have stuff out there. And uh, please, license to chill, sir. Uh, Go ahead and uh, tell folks where they still can find your material out there.
0: Oh, um, well, if you want to do some digging, uh, you, can, uh, find my, uh, you can find my you can find my writings at movieocrity.com and you can catch uh, episodes of my uh, web series movieocrity at vimeo.com/channels/movieocrity Highly
1: recommend it, folks. He does some excellent breakdowns of films, far better than uh, I could ever attempt. And and some oh, really, great, really great, really <laughs> some great analysis of films that you do not expect someone to do. Great analyses of,
0: uh, and so. I could say the same. And I could say the same thing for Mark the Movie Man here. So <laughs>
1: well, thank you. So uh, appreciate you, folks. Uh, thank you, Scott, for your time. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. And yeah, uh, we'll just say a uh, good evening.
0: Good
1: or, or, evening. Or or maybe we should go. Oh, 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 oh. We just we'll just say well, good night.
0: Have have a good evening. Get, 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 you know what? Have have a nightcap. Have a little nightcap with your tank. You know, make sure it's so, something that'll double just that will just like smash the hell out of you so you just don't even want to wake up in the morning. P- put a little hair yeah. on if, your chest. If you can't see a 6-foot rabbit after your nightcap, well, I don't think you're doing it right. I think you need to have give it another go. Wait, wait. No.
1: You've seen the rabbit, too?
0: Oh, the rabbit, yeah. Mary! Yeah. He's, bartend- Mary. He's bartending. He's yeah. bartending. Oh, well, you better pour us a shot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God.
1: Hey, all my friends out there looking for more Spoiler Room goodness, then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions where you can get access to exclusive Spoiler Room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and onto Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the Spoiler Room as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support and remember in the Spoiler Room the Conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.